This is episode number 204 of the Rising Man Podcast with Taylor Johnson. The best sex of your life is about going deep, but not in the way you think. Welcome back to the show, Rising Man fam. Thank you for joining me here today. Jetty Azuma checking in behind the mic again for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before we jump in, I want to remind you guys to go ahead and get yourself registered for our four-day self-mastery and embodied leadership training called Dojo. It's coming up April 7th to 10th here in California. Go to risingman.org slash dojo to check it out. We just wrapped up our last weekend of our first dojo retreat and it was amazing. I'm really excited to expand it and bring it to the greater rising man community starting in april so risingman.org slash dojo go get it today all right my guest for today is a returning guest he's been here before but not in a while his name is taylor johnson taylor is a sex educator and coach for men who blends the esoteric wisdom of the past with practical western exercises to help men create the sex lives they want in this episode taylor and i explored what it means to be a man connected to his sexuality his words, it's a choice. We talked about why societies failed us by creating a social construct that makes discussing sex outside of the privacy of our own homes taboo. We talked about the conversations men aren't having about sex with each other and with our partners. We talked about the biggest challenge in sexuality being communication and how to communicate confidently with your partner so your words and insecurities are received well. What is sexual mastery and why it involves so much more than simply the mechanics of sex? Lastly, we talked about why being aware of the environment we're in and how we inhabit our bodies is the key to enjoying a fulfilling sex life and how stress and hustle affects sex and intimacy. Oh, and at the end, Taylor reveals some interesting survey results of what really has allowed women to have their best sexual experiences. So make sure you tune in all the way through. Without further ado, Taylor Johnson. All right, Rising Man fam, I got a returning guest. Hasn't been on here in a couple of years. Still looks the same. Handsome as ever. Taylor Johnson <laughs> coming in from Asheville, North Carolina. Yo, How you doing, bro? Great, man. Thank you so much for having me back. It's awesome to be here with you again and all of you listening too. Heck yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for coming back on. Um, mm-hmm. We had a really amazing conversation two years ago. It's still one that stands out in my mind. Um, I, you know, Everyone will hear the intro when we pop the intro before this episode starts. But now I don't think you were calling yourself a sex educator back then. So I wanted to actually just start off with you owning that title as a sex educator. What does that actually mean to you? Mm, Interesting. Nice catch. I didn't know that I wasn't doing that. (laughs) Um, You might've been, but it stood out to me this time. So either way. Yeah. Well, I think there was at some point, there was a transition from when I actually decided, Hey, I'm stepping into the role of somebody who's committing my life energy towards the uplifting of sex and awareness around sex and sex education in the world, you know? And when I like made that life transition, you know, away from my previous career to this, it seemed appropriate, you know, because that's what I'm doing with most of my time. Prior to that, I would say I was a very avid explorer of all things sex, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like a sextronaut, I guess you could say a sextronaut. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But there was definitely a transition where I realized, oh, my actual, what I want to be doing with my life is lifting up sex for men and the people that love men all around the world. And I'm going to devote my life to that right now. Mm-hmm. So boom, sex educator. Yeah, dude. And and you own it so well, man. I mean, and in, in, even when you came on two years ago, you were putting out so much amazing content. I'm sure there's, do you get a lot of messages 
would you get more messages now that your audience has grown and people being like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? What are you talking about, man? You're crazy. Or has that kind of filtered out at this point? <laughs> uh, well, the quantity of emails I get has shot up substantially for sure. And, um, <laughs> but the amount of like, yeah, those sort of things has kind of dissipated a little bit, you know, and, and maybe it's just that they've gotten buried in all the other emails or all the comments, you know, and I make a point, I don't really sift through the depths of my YouTube comments anymore. Cause they're fucking crazy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like it's actually comedic relief sometimes to read what people are writing in the comments section on YouTube in general. Yeah. Uh, just cause I'm curious now, was that, was there a t- point in time where that was difficult for you when it did challenge your beliefs in yourself and the beliefs in what you were doing to, to read or to see some of those comments coming in? Yeah. That's an awesome question. Um, I would say that it never really challenged my beliefs around what I was doing. It never really challenged my beliefs around, is this stuff worth it or not? Or does it work or not? That sort of thing. But what it touched on was a childhood wound of mine of really wanting to be liked, you know, and really wanting to be accepted. And, and yeah, man, like a hundred positive comments. And then there's the one that's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't have a PhD. I'm just like, Oh, but I want you to like me, (laughs) you know, like that's not the conscious thought, but that's what's happening in my body. And, you know, I, I don't experience that nearly as much as I used to. It's still a thread and it's still in me, but I'm aware of it now to a level that I never was before. And I'm not sure that stuff ever fully 100% goes away, but at least I'm familiar with it and have befriended it now, you know? Yeah, I could share the same experience. It definitely changes over time. But yeah, man, like you said, 99 positive comments in that one comment. It's like almost everything else doesn't even (laughs) stand out. It's like all the other comments were irrelevant. Um, I've had experiences like that where everything, all the things that have built me up or all the support I've had over, over through comments or people reaching out to me, there's one thing that comes through just gets all of my attention. And it's such an yeah. interesting thing to watch. And I think it's it's great that you bring it up. I appreciate you being so honest about it because I think there's all of us experience that in some way. And mm-hmm. particularly around the conversation of, of sex. I mean, there's so much judgment that we have about ourselves and how we're being perceived sexually. So, yeah. so before we pivot into that realm of the conversation, <laughs> you know, I start these off by asking everybody, what does it mean to be a man? But in this case with you, I wanted to ask, what does it mean to be a sexual man? Or a man connected to his sexuality, whatever. Yeah. How about that one? What does it mean to be a man connected to his sexuality? Because I think we're all sexual men. You know, we are, we're all born from sex. We all have the potential to be doing sexual things, but actually being connected to your sexuality is a choice. And it requires choice and intentional action. So what does it mean to be a man connected to his sexuality? It, to me, means somebody who's intentionally devoting time in their life to the discovery of and the uh, unveiling of all the things that might be limiting them and holding them back in that realm from experiencing the true depths of connection and pleasure and love and intimacy that you can experience in the realms of sex. And then also rippling out from that, you know, the things that hold you back from uh, experiencing that in your entire life, because our sex lives don't live in a little box and isolated in our genitals, they impact everything that we do. And so to be a man connected to his sexuality is to be somebody who recognizes the impact of our sexuality 
on our entire lives and chooses to put energy and focus and intention there to heal and grow and to develop uh, fine skills and articulation there to be able to thrive in all areas of life. Mm. I really like that, man. I want to dig into a specific piece here because I think a lot of men will resonate with this. What I hear you saying is that our sexuality as humans, but in this case, we're talking about as men is just the same as if we were developing our physical bodies. Like if I'm going to the gym and I'm working out, I'm exercising, I'm researching my diet, my nutrition, it's an, this, our sexuality is another area of, of our lives to, to develop yeah. with, with researching, with learning new things, trying new things out, developing conversational tactics, physical tactics. So within that, what, why do you think it's something that is so compartmentalized? In for, for men, because I know a lot of us, we just think, oh, well, sex, that's just something that happens in the bedroom mm-hmm. periodically if, when I get lucky. Whereas I, th- I hear you saying it's, it's actually more of an integrated part of our lives when we're just walking around. Yeah. Well, I think the why is, is pretty simple. And it's like our entire society doesn't provide a healthy context for talking about sex. You know, most of us didn't grow up with healthy examples of sex, healthy sex education, healthy ideas of what sex even was. I mean, when I think back to my childhood, the sex ed I got in school was basically, if you have sex, you'll either get AIDS or get pregnant or you'll die or something horrible will happen, you know, unless you're married to a woman, <laughs> like period, period, you know? And so this is the context that we're starting most of, at least in the United States, most of our society is starting from that context. And then our entire society also like uses sex to advertise to us, but it doesn't talk about it in a healthy way. And if I encourage anyone listening to think of, are there any healthy examples of, you know, really, truly integrated masculine sexuality in any TV show or movie that you can think of? No, man. Prob- pr- think of any. Probably not. So we're, we're in an environment, we're in a context that doesn't really support the healthy thriving of this. And instead, instead there's a lot of like pushing it under the rug. And so in that context, if we're not actively intentionally examining every single part of being alive, it's easy to just stay that way and think, Oh yeah, sex is just something that happens. I, you know, I, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Maybe I'm addicted to porn, but whatever everybody is, you know, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a complacency is the word that comes to mind around Mm. sexuality, or at least there has been. I think that you're one of the men who's really leading somewhat of a sexual revolution right now, inviting guys to talk more about our sexuality and inviting guys to have more honest conversations. Cause even after the interview we had initially with you, I, I, it made me really think about the way I talk about sex with my friends. Mm. And I'm talking about guys that I have a lot of trust built up with Yeah, and then observing that and just watching how men talk about sex with each other. There's like, there's one end of the spectrum where it's, the locker room style talk about, you know, the, the bragging or the experience of sex, you know, kind of inflating our sexual prowess and conversations mm-hmm. with our buddies that would happen. Yeah. And then the other side of it was realizing that there's actually very little detail that we go into as men. When we talk about our sexuality, we might talk about getting laid, but the, the, the type of sex that we're having or what happens during sex, it's, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm sure you've seen a same, the same or similar and, why do you think that is? And what do you encourage men to do as part of the, the awakening that you're leading guys on? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, it's an interesting one. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Cause you don't really, you don't really want to go out and have like the super vulnerable 
real conversations about sex with just anybody, you know, like even with just some, some guys in various contexts, cause not everybody's ready for that. And some people, you know, some people might react in crazy ways and maybe you just don't want to deal with their reaction. And that's, I think that's just part of the context that we're living in also. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a huge piece of programming that we've all gotten as men is that we need to be totally self-sufficient. We have to have all our own answers. We have to do everything ourselves. We can't ask for help. We can't be vulnerable. Like, and that, that stifles us. You know, and it keeps us in this box where, yeah, if we talk about sex, we're like, yeah, man, I fucked her for like two hours. It was amazing. She came so many times. And, uh, and then it was great, you know, versus like, oh, you know, the other day, my girlfriend and I were going to have sex, but I didn't feel so good. I had to kind of, I was like feeling a lot of farts in my system and I was (laughs) like anxious about not being able to keep an erection. And we started to have sex and then I realized I wasn't actually into it, but she wanted it. And then it was hard. Like who has those conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that having those conversations is actually an action people can take to heal this part of their life or to open this part of their life up, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe you have them with your partner, maybe you have them with your therapist or a coach or a men's group or some, you know, people that you feel safe with. Um, But I think having those conversations is a huge piece. And I noticed this with the groups of men that I'm in, you can learn all these fancy techniques to do all different kinds of things with your penis and your pelvic floor and moving sexual energy all over the place, et cetera. And those are great. And the moment somebody really authentically opens up and shares about something that they're struggling with in their sex life, like, bam, that is a moment of huge transformation because all, you know, this thing that has been kept in the closet or shoved under a rug or kept in the shadows that has been weighing them down all of a sudden gets to be seen by other people and the other, and they get to have the experience of realizing they're not alone. And actually it's not nearly as big of a deal that they, as they thought, because most other people have experienced something similar. Like, That's you know? the key right there. I, I always say the first medicine for men in this wave of men's work that we're, that we're in the midst of is relatability. Just mm-hmm. the simple fact that I can, if I can muster up the courage to articulate my experience say the things that have happened to me, the experience I've had sexual abuse as a kid or erectile dysfunction or whatever it is, fill in the blank and then look around and see other men raising their hands and saying, Hey man, me too. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. So much healing happens just from that. And and that, and that's entry level, right? That's, that's just, (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm not strange. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm actually not very unique. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Just, just that piece alone. And particularly around sexuality, because I don't want to get too far down the, 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 the pornography rabbit hole, mm. but just the, the depiction of what a masculine man looks like when it comes yeah. to sexuality, it's so unrealistic. It's not even what women say that they want. I've seen plenty of surveys and polls that women are like, that's not really the kind of sex that I want to be having. Maybe, maybe sometimes <laughs> and yeah. some women but uh-huh. you know, for the most part, it's, it goes way beyond that. So yeah. how do we start to get our mindset out of this twisted version of what sexuality is and into something that's a little more authentic? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, how do we start to change our mindset? I mean, I think first, just by 
being parts of conversations like these, listening to podcasts like these, starting to get the gears turning that there might actually be something else that's possible in the realms of sex, you know, looking up videos on YouTube, reading blog posts, just talking to people, you know, whole, wow. You mean like the whole point of sex isn't ejaculation and there's actually something else I can experience. Whoa, holy shit. You know, just starting to like do the little pieces of research here and there. Um, and that could like go in so many different directions from taking a workshop on Tantra with your partner to taking an online course about semen retention or, or joining an online men's mastermind group or whatever, you know, or an in-person men's group and just bringing these conversations to the people that you're close to. I think a big way to do it is, and I would imagine a lot of guys listening to this podcast are in some form of a men's circle in some way. And if you're not, I highly, highly encourage it because mm, it's so, yeah, it's just so good. And if you can be somebody who initiates a conversation like this with your group of men, like what a powerful and beneficial thing to bring to this to this group, you know, if, if you can bring it in an authentic way with, you know, your intention being connection and growth, I find that like 99 times out of hundred people really do want to talk about this stuff. They just really need the invitation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The permission to do it. I, I was also thinking, we talked about men having these conversations with each other, but also the power of having really open and honest conversations with our sexual partners, mm -hmm. whether it's somebody that you've been dating for a while. You know, I think if you've been with somebody a little longer, maybe it's, there's a little more trust built up and a little more courage to have these kind of conversations. Yeah. But even just with people that you're ex exploring intimacy with for the first, for the first time to yeah. be able to have those courageous conversations about sexuality. Uh, yeah. Again, not everybody's going to be there, but I know the first time, the first time that I ever had a real honest conversation about my sexual insecurities mm -hmm. was with the woman who ended up becoming my wife before mm -hmm. we had that degree of, before we went to a certain point in our sexual exploration with each other, having that conversation, sharing some of those things with her, and then her being able to share some things with me, it, it, I, I really believe it set a whole different tone for our sexual intimacy going forward. Yeah, I believe you, man. So how, if I can ask you, how did you initiate that conversation? Uh, well, uh, I'll shout out a buddy of mine, Jack Star Rubin. He's actually in Asheville. I, I, I got to oh, yeah? connect you guys together. Yeah. Cause he's oh, out sweet. there. He's an awesome. amazing practitioner. Um, but at the time he was just exploring insecurities of his own and yeah. I was getting ready to move out to California to be with my, you know, at the time girlfriend, partner mm -hmm. became my wife. And, I, and we were just having a conversation as guys about our sexual insecurities. And I was telling him about, you know, I'm in this new relationship where, you know, we're getting ready to begin exploring sexuality, you know, our sexuality together in a deeper way. Yeah. And he, he didn't challenge me, but he, he, encouraged me. He's like, well, what if you had just had that conversation with her from the beginning? Mm. What would that be like? And I was like, why not? <laughs> you know, what do I have yeah. to lose? And yeah. so uh, that, that was really what prompted it was he, he encouraged me to do that. And mm. I led with a vulnerable share about my sexual, I, honestly, I don't remember what it was. I think it was some, I think it was about how long I could last sexually. Yeah. I think that was mm -hmm. what I shared with her at the time. Honestly, I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, and then that led to a, just a really open conversation about all of our sexual insecurities or many of them. Mm. I don't know about all of them, but many of them. And it was a beautiful place for us to start from and definitely created more intimacy and closeness before we ever had sex. Oh man, that's awesome to hear. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. And thank you for doing that. And I imagine that the created the creation of that intimacy through that conversation relieved a lot of the pressure around those things. So those things actually probably happened less or less intensely than they would have otherwise. 
You know? Absolutely. And, and at the very least, it created a reference point to go back to. So whenever, yeah. cause the other thing is, you know, we, we both have had sexual partners before we'd been yeah. with each other. So all of our sex, the sexual narrative kind of creeps in at different times and the way that mm-hmm. we we've really transformed our sex life together over the years and had sex in different ways and got more connected to what we actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've been together for eight years now, so it's, it's been this evolutionary process, but it really started at that point. And so it's, it's always something we can go back to and and I'm tracking her insecurities and she's tracking mine and it's, and it's beautiful. It, it, I think it's what made it possible for us to have a sexual relationship that has evolved and grown instead mm-hmm. of one that just becomes stagnant and stale. And I think that's where a lot of people maybe end up is that it's like becomes a mechanical thing. And we're not actually talking about the things we're insecure about. So we're constantly trying to navigate around it, but it's this mm-hmm. huge object in between us that we could just take it and move it out of the way. But sometimes that's a very, very edgy thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Also. Yeah, man, for sure. Also, because it's, you know, the question for a lot of guys becomes then like, how do you talk about this? How the fuck are you supposed to talk about? Like what languaging do you use? What words do you use? You know, it reminds me of a guy in Asheville who's named Steve Torma. He's not part of the online world, but he started what used to be a school around sexuality many years ago in Asheville. And then he realized that most people knew how to do the sexual things. Like you put the thing in the thing and you touch the thing with your hand, you know, you do all, (laughs) but really the big problem was communication. And so he pivoted the whole thing to teaching around intimacy and how to communicate and realizing that that was like the missing link, you know, and he uses a lot of what's called nonviolent communication, which is a modality of communication that really works for some people. Some people find it annoying, but personally I've found great value in my life through using that modality. And basically the thing that I found really valuable from it was that it helped me just have a an understanding and an articulation of the things that were going on inside of me, my own internal landscape of feelings and desires and fears. And specifically, it gave me a tool set for how to communicate those in an effective way that uh, could be received well, that could actually, you know, gestate a useful conversation instead of just uh, something else, you know, and, and I don't have the means to give you the whole process right now, but I highly encourage anyone who's interested to look up some of that, you know, yeah, well, let's, we don't have to go through the whole process, but I think that would be really valuable because I think there's a lot of people who will hear this and say, wow, that, that all sounds really good, Taylor, but I don't really know how to communicate that with my partner. I'm not even sure where to begin. So yeah. uh, even if it's just a direction to, to think about or move in when we talk about how to communicate confidently with our partners about our insecurities or our experience to create this possibility for intimacy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do a little bit of that. Let's do a little bit of that because I think it, yeah, I think it really is a valuable thing to be able to do that. Okay, so let's come up with an example. Since you shared your example, I think I think this is one that a lot of guys have experienced at some point in their life. You know, they're maybe concerned about how long they'll be able to last in bed or something like that. And if you're in the context of going into a relationship with somebody that you really value and you really want to deepen into this relationship, like that would probably be the context for this conversation versus somebody you're hoping to have a one night stand with. Maybe you still want to have that conversation, but I imagine the motivation to do that would be less than if you really like this person and want to develop intimacy with them, mm-hmm. you know? So I always find that like a good, <clears throat> a good way to open the door 
is just to ask for permission for the conversation, you know, see if there's interest. Be like, hey, um, whatever, you know, I, I guess you wouldn't be using the term baby yet. Maybe you would. <laughs> but hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you around sex and around some of my feelings and thoughts around sex. Uh, is that something with you? Is that something you would be open to? You know, and you could say, I'd love to have this conversation with you because I'd like to be more connected with you. And I maybe see the potential of doing that with you someday. And it, I'd love to, you know, would you be open to that? Mm-hmm. Whatever you put in that first category, would you be open to that? And that's a good sign right there. Like if they say no, well, maybe that's not the right relationship for you. You know, if you're in the early phases uh, or maybe there's a better time. If they say no, then maybe maybe now isn't the best time, but you know, if they say yes, great at some point in the future. And it's cool if you actually can set a container around that. Maybe you go out for a coffee or a tea or something, or you go on a walk or you sit in the park, some space to actually have an intentional conversation and then, and then lead the conversation with a desire. Yeah. Like ultimately a desire for what, is it a desire for more connection? Is it a a desire for a shared reality for understanding? Do you want to be understood? Do you want your fears to be understood? Mm-hmm. Do you want to understand them more? Do you want to understand their fears? Lead with a desire of some sort of outcome for the conversation. I think that last part is really key uh, because yeah. I'm just imagining the scenario like being a fly on the wall and, and experiencing <laughs> how that might be, especially if it's somebody that you haven't been with for very long, asking, yeah. well, why are you asking about this? Just out of their right. own discomfort and being able to confidently articulate the purpose being like, well, you know, I, I just really value communication around sexual relationships that my experience in the past has been whatever it's been for you, for most of us really poor communication around our sexuality and our experience. And, and I want to create that more. And I'm just asking if that's something that you're interested in and open to creating, making a really safe entry point. And I like the other piece that you said that, well, if someone says no, or really gets shut down by that, then Maybe they're not ready to be in the kind of relationship that you're in. And then, but, but having the courage to find out because you don't want to waste your time or the other person's time, if that's what you really are looking for. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. That's great, man. That's a really great entry point. I like that. Yeah. Just good entry point. Get the buy-in and the buy-in. It sounds so salesy, but you know what I mean? Like, but it's almost like that, right? That's I was thinking of that in my head too. It's like, we're afraid of getting turned down or rejected, but when you really want to connect with the person that you want to connect with, then you, you, you take risks like that because you're not yeah. going to settle for anything less than it. And starting with something like that creates safety. It creates safety and understanding versus if you just like went straight into, Hey, I'm worried about when we fuck, I might come too soon. They'll probably be like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. what? Holy, where the fuck are you coming from? You know? like, <laughs> it's, it yeah. can be jarring. It can be jarring. And, you know, I think the reality is that most, I would, I would wager to say that most women who are going to be in relationships with men would experience an invitation for a conversation like this as incredibly refreshing, Mm. you know, very refreshing and probably inspiring because the amount of men who've ever wanted to have an intentional conversation with them around sex and intimacy is probably zero, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or maybe one, (laughs) or especially if it's somebody who's sexually interested in them, it's probably zero, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, what a beautiful opportunity to be able to give somebody. Yeah. It's also really good to keep in perspective that this is, it's, it's probably not something that they've experienced before. And, and what I've discovered in my own research is that, like you said, a lot of women are refreshed and delighted to have that kind of, Oh, wow. That's, 
that's that's so thoughtful that you want to have that conversation before we ever entertain a sexual relationship. Um, yeah. But it does take a little bit of a of a, of a leap, right? There's there's yeah. that there's that risk that maybe this won't land well, or maybe this won't be well received, or even maybe I'll I'll be awkward because I've never asked for a conversation like this before. At the end for of the sure. day, though, we got to take risks like that everywhere in our yeah. lives. That's part of the journey. Yeah. So so just to like to drive in this one example just a little bit more because I think it would be useful. Um, I'm gonna just gonna imagine I'm in that scenario for a moment and say like, hey. Yeah, I'll, I'll be talking as if I was the guy in that conversation. <clears throat> hey, I um, I noticed that I have this this thing that has been that has happened to me a few times in sex where I I get so sometimes overwhelmed with the pleasure in the moment that I ejaculate more quickly than I want to, and I've felt some shame around that in the past, and I've felt some fear around that in terms of building new connections. Uh, and I've felt some fear around that and building a new connection with you. And I want you to know that this is something that I'm working on and I'm taking seriously. And it's something that I, I value growing on and, and I value sharing this with you up front, just so you know that I'm a real human and I have the things that I'm working on too. And I'm wondering, would you tell me, would you tell me how you feel having just heard me share what I shared, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I want to like challenge any challenge and encourage if, if you're a guy and you're leading into a conversation like this to also lead with the, as long as it's true, the truth that you're, you're intending to, and, or already are working on this thing about yourself, you mm -hmm. know, cause I think that's an important piece to include too. Cause if you just say, I just want you to know, I'm just really addicted to porn and it, it, it impacts all my relationships period. Like that's not so great, <laughs> you know, yeah. but if you say, Hey, I'm aware I've had this problematic relationship with porn and a, I'm aware of it and B I'm working on it and, and C I'm mindful of how this could potentially impact my relationships. And it's important to me to be able to show up really well with you. You know, that's an entirely different scenario. Yes. And I think that actually is really important to point out because to me, it introduces a really important prerequisite to this conversation is actually doing some of the work on yourself. We can't just produce a script yeah. that, that, you know, that you can download on Taylor's website of how to have the conversation <laughs> about sex with your partner. Yeah. You, you got to actually be able to embody it. And so this, mm -hmm. this leads me to one of the things we said we would talk about here about just sexual mastery. I don't know how people will feel about that. I don't know how you feel about those words, but yeah. to me, it's just the, the practice of really embodying how the relationship that we want to have with sexuality and our sexual partners. And yeah. so it, before we ever even have this conversation, this is something that we got to be thinking about, talking about getting more familiar with how we articulate ourselves, because you did a beautiful job of that. And I know that that's because you've already done so much work. That might be hard for anybody listening to, to generate if that's not something that you're used to. So yeah. what is, first of all, when we, if we say sexual mastery, I don't know if you ever use those words. Mm -hmm. do, do you ever, do you ever use that terminology when you're- Yeah, sometimes. Okay. So yeah. let's, let's define it first. When you say sexual mastery, what does that actually mean for you? Yeah, that's a good, yeah. Sexual mastery. What does it mean to me? To me, it's very similar to what you said. It's like commitment to the practice of excellence in the realms of sex, you know? And to me, that's so much more than just 
Like when I say the word sex, I'm not just meaning putting your penis in, in people or in your hand, like all the things related to sex, which do include your ability to communicate around it, your ability to be aware of your desires and fantasies and edges and shame and all of this stuff, and your ability to modulate your own sexual experience while you're in the sexual experience with somebody, you know, in terms of like being able to last for longer and being able to be really present in your mind and not thinking about a hundred different things while you're having sex with them. Like all these things fall under the realm of sexual mastery. And I like to think of it in terms of just any other category of life. Like if you think of any famous basketball player, you know, or musician that, you know, like they have put in a ton of effort and work really practicing their skills so that they can play at a peak level with consistency but it doesn't mean that they're perfect all the time too. You know, they still miss baskets. Sometimes they play the wrong note and that's just part of being human. Mm. And, and I think there's this, this thing that can happen when people start to do the sexual work that they think, Oh, I'm going to be perfect in this realm for the rest of time ever. And I just like to be real about it up front too. It's you're human, just like all the top professionals of any sport or any, anything in the history of time, like they still mess up sometimes too. Totally. Know? Yeah. And, and I love, I'm, I'm, I'm big on sports, sports references, just being an athlete my whole life. Yeah. And I think about, you know, the, the first time LeBron James ever shot a three pointer, I, I, I guarantee you, it wasn't just like a, a picture, perfect poster, you know, <laughs> swish, nothing no. but the bottom of the net. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think for a lot of us, since this is such a, a new topic and a new realm for us to explore consciously as yeah. humans and specifically as men, we got to be willing to take that first jump shot and totally throw an air ball. <laughs> like yes. that first conversation you have with another dude about, Hey dude, that you ever, you know, let's, we, I've never talked to another guy about the, you know, what actually happens to me when I'm having yeah. sex. Is that something you'd be open to or talking to a sexual partner saying, Hey, I've, this is, this is really new for me. And it's, it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable, but it really matters to me. Or is this something you're open to that, that you got to start somewhere? For sure. For sure. And yeah, man, to, to make the analogy of riding a bike too, like learning to ride a bike, if you've ever done that at first, before you hit that balance point, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) There's like no sense to be made of this thing and you're wobbling back and forth and your feet are on the ground. But at a certain point, there's something that clicks that starts to happen. And yeah, you're totally right. Like when initiating conversations like these, it might feel awkward as fuck in the beginning. And then you realize, oh, this is actually useful and I'm benefiting and they're benefiting and it's enjoyable and everyone's benefiting and boom, there's a balance point, you know, something like that can happen. And I appreciate the direction, like the, I didn't know we were going to go in the direction of conversations and communication in this, in this conversation getting meta, but I, I think it's great. I think it's useful and I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad we're in it right now. Yeah. Well, let's take it to a place that you said is really connected to your heart before we got on, before we started recording, I said, you know, if there's one message in your heart, you'd really want to connect to. And what I heard you say was how being aware of our environment is important, specifically in regards to, I guess the overall human experience, but on this topic of being able to really embody the sexuality that we desire. I, I I layered this on when I heard you say this, so I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's true for you, but I was just imagining the impact of stress and hustle and the lifestyle that society's created for us to live into, Mm -hmm. how much of an impact that has on our sexuality. I know it certainly has for me. Yeah. You know, my, my wife and I've been married for seven years, seven and a half years. Now we have two kids. We're both super busy. We've gone through tremendous periods of stress to the point where sometimes sex becomes like a task. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's really uncomfortable to say that, but I know a lot of people feel that way too. It's like, ah, oh, man, it's like this, this thing that we love doing, but 
we got to just squeeze it in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I just wanted to hear you speak a little bit more about that. Cause you also said prioritizing time to be in our bodies, yeah, which I think is really important in this conversation. So yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Whatever you want to say about that. <laughs> I just want to, I want to be real too and say that I'm not immune to those things either. Mm-hmm. My partner and I recently went through a period of intensive work, both of us in our individual lives and stress. And it was not a context in which we were having a much sex at all, you know, and we realized that we had some conversations around it and, and put in some intentional date time and that sort of thing. But we, we had to work to it. You know, we had to work towards it and actually be proactive around it to make sure we actually even had sex <laughs> during this period of time, you know? And so just want to be real around that too. Like I don't have all these things figured out perfectly. And I, I still have to put regular effort into all these areas of life as well, but it's worth it. You know, it's worth it for me to do so. Yeah. Um, and specifically around the stress piece, I know for, for myself, uh, I mean, it's funny, my wife and I have this inside joke that all, all it takes is her looking at me with, with a certain kind of look, even if it's not sexual. And I'm like, oh, ready to go. I could be on death's doorstep, you know, <laughs> three days into the flu. And, and she'll look at me and she'll be like, and she laughs because she's like, really? Really? You're, you're, you could get it on right now in the condition that you're in and what's going on. And I'm like, <laughs> honestly, I could, but there's, there's also times where just the stress of life has made it really difficult for us to create the environment in which we want to have sex. And mm-hmm. my wife has taught me a lot. I'll give her some credit because she's really taught me about environment. Cause like I said, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I don't really need much. It's like, Hey, I love you. We love doing yeah. this thing. Let's do this thing. Cause we got we got a window of time. Let's make it happen. And she's really led in our relationship with, Hey, I I can't just have sex in that way. In fact, I don't even want to, I want to be able to enjoy and appreciate each other. So, um, just the impact of, of our overall environment on our well-being. I I think that's another thing guys don't talk about is how much the stress of life can affect our ability to get and maintain an erection. I know there's science around that. So, so yeah, Yeah. man, any words of wisdom you have on that? So let's, yeah, let's go, go into that. Cause that's, that's a huge one. It's a huge one today that most of us are dealing with in some ways. Um, we, uh, we live in the context of a society that really highly values stimulation and information, and then the next piece of stimulation, and then the next piece of information, and then the next, and the next, and the next. And, mm-hmm. you know, like TikTok is like a prime example of that. It's the, probably the most stimulating thing you could possibly ever put in front of your face. <laughs> you Tell know? me about it, man. As, aside from porn, but these devices we have, our phones, like they're, it's infinite distraction and infinite mental stimulation and infinite like dopamine hits over and over and over and over and over again. And then add on to that, especially in the United States, there's this hustle lifestyle or hustle mentality or work constantly mentality that, that is driving a lot of people to where we're all just existing in this hyper mentally stimulated place and working a lot and not actually spending much time being in our bodies. Our society doesn't really celebrate being in our bodies so much with the exception of sports. But when we watch sports, we don't see all the things these athletes are doing behind the scenes. We just see them at their moment of peak performance where they're slamming into each other, you know, on, on the football field, or they're like dribbling all these fancy ways on the basketball court, but we're not seeing the years and the hours of stretching that they're doing visualization that they're doing the yoga that the football players are doing to increase the flexibility in their entire body. And all the time they actually spend cultivating a powerful relationship with their body that they have to do in order to be able to perform at these really high levels, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and this is, 
this relates to sex and it also relates to our ability to thrive and be happy as humans. We can't really thrive and be happy as humans if we're constantly looking for that next hit of dopamine via some form of stimulation. You know, that thriving, that experience of actually enjoying the moment and being alive, that comes from literally, well, not literally, but figuratively building the muscle of being able to enjoy being in the body in the moment, which means taking time to practice that in some way, which could be getting a massage or stretching or doing yoga or working out mindfully, you know, just doing something mindful in your body and, and enjoying that. It's, it's huge. It's huge. It's, it's so funny, man. Uh, I, I love what you're saying. And I've never made that connection between athletes and the way they prepare to be elite athletic performers and what it, what it would look like to have a sexual practice that's synonymous with going to the gym, like a yoga practice that it, that I do deliberately every day in connection with my desire to enhance my sexual abilities. Uh, that that was like a, a a breakthrough moment for me. I was like, wow, I never thought of that. I, I've definitely never done that. I, I, I do yeah. plenty of physical activity, but it's it's purely for physical well being. That's mm-hmm. I don't really connect to my sexuality. And then it, and then there's this funny image of uh, <laughs> what's that movie? Don't mess with the Zohan popped into my mind. Is that like, the, the Adam Sandler movie where he's like this hairstylist? You know, he's like from a different country. He's got an accent. It just made me think of the depiction of like some, some guy from a different country that's got an exotic accent and he's kind of like this, you know, sexual Don Juan type of character. Yeah. And, you know, they satirize it by watching him, like, you know, he's like doing pelvic thrusts in, in like super slow motion <laughs> and he's like stretching his legs and the women are mm-hmm. swooning over him. Yeah. But I thought of this, how we satirize that, but it's like, well, yeah. why do we satirize that? You know, the yeah. actually preparing our bodies for sexual conversations and connection. Mm-hmm. Why, it's funny. Cause I just, I was like, wow, that's such a novel idea. And what if more men were approaching sexuality that way? Yeah. Yeah. What if, and it is funny to satirize, satirize it. Harvey, you know, it's hilarious to watch some dude just like pelvic thrusting slowly <laughs> in neon shorts, like with a yeah. weird face. It's hilarious. And yeah, I mean, for real, like the, yeah. What if, what if we actually did these practices to increase our sexual abilities, which would then in turn increase the quality of our entire life and our relationships outside of the bedroom too. Mm-hmm. Well, just, just for contrast sake, right? How many, how many dudes, and I'm talking to the guys who are listening right now, how many of you guys are getting pummeled with ads about how to make your dick bigger? take these pills, do this thing, you know, this yeah. procedure to make your dick bigger. And if you, actually surveyed women on what makes for a more pleasant sexual experience. I'm sure that that would be somewhere on the list, but I know it's mm-hmm. not the top in the top two or three. Mm-hmm. There's so many more things that is actually within our, cause you can't, you, I mean, you really can't control how big your dick is. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't, maybe that, maybe, you know, some things that I don't <laughs> like there's some like breathing techniques or, you know, maybe you eat pineapple or something. I don't know, but <laughs> really that's, there's things that are out of our control, but there's so many other yeah. things that are our ability to communicate about our sexuality, mm-hmm. our ability to prepare the body that we do have not wish for our bodies to be different. Yeah. So let's talk about just real quick. The thing that's at the top of that list. Uh, the thing that's at the top of that list that I've seen consistently and that I found in my own survey I did of many hundreds of women was presence. Mm. Like they really, really want to have sex with somebody who is totally present with them. 
And that I don't mean this sort of like hard and steadfast kind of militant, like I'm here with you. I see everything you know, it's like (laughs) open-hearted presence, uh, presence of, of mind and heart and body to, you know, that you're just really there and you're not thinking about the next position you want them to be in. And you're not thinking about how you want to come and you're not thinking about dinner and you're not thinking about work and you're not just having mental chatter. And you're also reading them and you're reading their bodies and watching how they breathe and act and react in accordance to that and, and dance with them and experience sex as a sort of dance. And it was this really interesting thing I found when I first did my own set of research surveys, which was that turns out the majority of women that I surveyed at least have had sex with a man who says that they could go or have had sex with a man who could go as long as he wanted. You know, so the majority of women have had this experience. Interestingly, the majority of these women said that that experience was negative. Hmm. Like the, the vast majority of women said that this experience was negative for them. And it's really interesting because most guys or a lot of guys think that this is the Holy grail of sex. And if only they could last as long as they wanted, they'd be able to fully satisfy any women. Hmm. And here we're literally 90% of these women saying it was actually a negative experience for them. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated by that and not entirely surprised, but like really cool to see that represented in numbers and actual responses from these women. And the 10% of women that were not part of that 90%, they said it was the best sexual experience or experiences they've ever had in their entire life. Because in this 10%, those men combined their, yes, their physical abilities with presence And they were actually there with the women and could dance with them and take the women on a dance and take the women on a journey and, and just be fully with them and not worried about when they were going to ejaculate or not, you know, and not showing off that they could go forever. Like that was a big thing that a lot of these women really hated actually was that they thought they were just being, um, what's the word, uh, like, like the guy was showing off basically, like he was showing off their ability, you know, of being able to go for a long time and they would just get worn out and tired because when the presence isn't there, the intimacy isn't there and the connection isn't there and the magic isn't there. So that's consistently been at the top of a lot of different lists is just presence, you know, presence, man, right there. Wow. Dude, time flies. I, I, I get what you said when you, when you, when we set this up, you're like, dude, I think we could talk for hours on this stuff and I'm sure we yeah. could. That's why it's so wonderful that you're, creating this offer for, for men out there. I mean, are, are you exclusively working with men or do you work with women too at this point? I am. And unless there's like a conversation that needs to happen as a couple and I've occasionally done some sessions with couples, but yeah, I'm primarily focused on, on men. I am entirely focused on helping men. Which yeah. is, which is wonderful because there's certain conversations, no matter, no matter how vulnerable we're willing to get, there's certain conversations that I've found can only happen between men. Yeah. Um, about what we're experiencing. It's not that it's not that we want to exclude women from this. You know, I know totally. a lot of all, a lot of women think that men's groups are like and are like just this like secret society. They're like, no, <laughs> no, there's just literally just certain conversations that we can only have together, similarly to to women. But for sure. I, I digress. I, I just love that you're doing this kind of work, man, because I know how valuable yeah. and impactful it's been for me. I really want to encourage the guys out there to to have to have the courage. Just just have the courage to have that first, next vulnerable conversation about your own sexuality and whoever that is you want to open up to, whether it's a a friend of yours, that's a non intimate sexual partner or a sexual partner, or you want to reach out to someone like Taylor, who is an expert and a pro with this stuff or a therapist or somebody else, 
But yeah. just take that leap because the reality is, if I mean, if we've done anything on, on this episode, we've, we, <laughs> I hope that we've normalized many of these things and guys are just like shaking their heads in their car while they're listening to this. Like, oh yeah. my God, you're describing my experience exactly. That's, yeah. I think that's the best thing that we could do for starters. For sure. Get the gears turning and then go deeper if you want to, for sure. There you go. That's a good tagline for your work too, by the yeah. way. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Go deeper. Yeah. For sure. But it's not what you think. <laughs> um, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So I guess I just want to say thank you so much for having me back on. It's been an awesome conversation. I think we could talk for hours, you know, and, and I think like one thing that I'm really excited about personally this year is like, yes, I have courses and stuff, but this year I'm actually going to be launching my own podcast around sex. And, and one of the big pieces of it, it's not all going to be interviews. That's going to be part of it. But another piece is just going to be my own personal stories of all like the wild and crazy shit I've experienced in this realm, <laughs> you know, specifically for the sake of normalizing this and be, so other people can hear some of the things that I've gone to and experienced because yeah, there's some really wild stuff that I've witnessed. <laughs> I know man. I was actually just yeah. getting, I was just reminded of an orgy story you told on the first podcast that it literally <laughs> just popped back into my head when you said crazy stories. I was like, Oh Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's that's definitely something that I'm looking for. When is that gonna be dropping? Is that something you can in a, talk in about a few months? Yeah, I've been working with the designers to get all the back end stuff going, but in a few months, it, it should be, the first few episodes should be up. Amazing. So there's no there's no date. There's no launch time or whatever. It'll it'll just happen in a few months, and I'm I'm stoked about it. Awesome, man. Well, definitely excited to promote that to all of the men in this community and beyond. Because, like I said not just the work that you're doing that you're shepherding but the way that you are with it man i really respect and appreciate a mm. lot you got just you got a very uh non-threatening type of energy around this and what i mean by that Sweet. is accessible like you're exce- you make it really accessible to guys and so if Sweet. there's guys listening who don't know you go check out taylor stuff it's really top notch and it will change your life you know it will it will change your life your relationships for the better guaranteed it just it requires courage so it's it's also not for the faint of heart um, yes so yeah and man. it's and it's worth it it's worth it your life is worth it and your future self and all your future lovers will thank you there you go uh <laughs> yeah. Nate, le- what about links and uh ig handles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Uh, so www.taylorjohnson.life is my website on Instagram. It's at Taylor Clark Johnson on YouTube. You can just search for Taylor Johnson sex coach. I'm sure I'll pop up. And yeah. That's what's it. the first, what's the first video that pops up? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, I just had an image in my mind flash of some thumbnail of you doing some kind of like crazy, crazy thing. Well, I, I did, I did recently review a life-size sex doll and I posted that that video on YouTube and it <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Honestly, it's sitting back behind me in this room right now, but, and it's been sitting in my closet ever since I did that video, but it's uh that's an entertaining thumbnail. If you see that, you'll definitely do a double take for there sure. You go. Awesome. Taylor, man. Well, lot big props to you, everything you're doing, man. Lots of gratitude for making some time to be here with us today. Hey, I look forward to coming and seeing you in Asheville someday, man. Gotta, that's got to happen. I got a lot of family out there to to visit. So I'll definitely keep you on that list, man. And and then, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll, we can jam on the podcast in the future sometime. I'd love to explore what you're doing too. It sounds like some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, man. I look forward to all of it. Thanks again for having me on. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. All 
All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you go to risingman.org for access to links and resources mentioned in this episode, as well as all of your opportunities to get more deeply involved in the Rising Man community. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us and the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Give us a follow on Instagram at Rising Man Movement. Big shout out to everybody who's been supporting this Rising Man Movement move. This mission is growing. We're getting bigger and badder and better this year in 2022. And so grateful to have you men and you women, everyone involved out there along for the journey. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.